Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us as... This week, we're going to uh, dig into the archives as far as uh, Jim Jones's famous black book is concerned, the extraordinary guests that we have had on Cavs HQ throughout the 2021 campaign. And Jim, this week, we're going to go back and listen to a couple of guys that you lined up. Uh, Thurl Bailey, I thought was extraordinary. I'm really looking forward to hearing this again with Thurl Bailey. And then, of course, a Cavalier legend, one of the all-time greats, his number is in the rafters at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, Mark Price. Yeah, those two guys especially, they're, they're both class acts. Thurl Bailey, uh, I think, is going to surprise people because those of you who missed that first interview, listen in because Thurl Bailey has tremendous depth. He's a musician. He's yes. a humanitarian. He's just one of the outstanding young people in our league. And, of course, Mark Price. When he played, he was the most popular Cavalier in this franchise Five foot eleven, some say six one, but they're pushing it. All pro, one of the best free throw shooters, one of the best clutch shooters in the game when he played. And of course, uh, one of the things about Mark Price that's often overlooked, Jim, he was tough. He didn't back down from anybody, as you said. He may have been six feet or shorter, but uh, boy, he stood tall out on the floor. Yeah, and it was about leadership. It was about leadership and uh, having passion for the game. And Mark was all of that. Oklahoma kid, country boy, very tough. Yeah, and as Jim said about Thurl Bailey, uh, same with Mark Price. If you missed it uh, the first time around, you're going to want to listen in for what Mark had to say to us uh, earlier this year and also the fact that uh, he uh, he tells some great Cavs stories. So uh, it'll be fun. Mark Price will be first, followed by Thurl Bailey. So uh, enjoy these conversations as both Mark Price and Thurl Bailey made their way into the Legends Chair. These are fun conversations. I'm looking forward to hearing them again. So it's Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll hear from Mark Price and Thurl Bailey following this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Price into the forecourt. He's looking for the three and off balance. Three good! Price hit the three with 4.1 seconds to go. Price swings behind Doherty to the top of the key. Drops it to Brad. Down the lane. Wham! With a right hand. Price to the top of the key. Checked by Thomas. Price spins to the middle. Up with a 10-footer. Good! Price right wing to Hot Rod Drive. Wham! With a right hand. Price between the circles. Around Hot Rod again to the right wing. Fakes the three. Shoots the three. New record. 34 for Mark Price. That's just awesome stuff. We welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And, yes, you just heard the highlights from the legendary Joe Tate, NBA Hall of Fame announcer, as he 
called the plays of our guests in the Legends Chair for this edition of Cavs HQ. Mark Price joining us, and of course, it's always great to have somebody sitting in that Legends Chair that brings back a lot of memories, but when it's a Cavalier legend that's sitting in the Legends Chair, that makes it all the more special, and of course, Mark Price, uh, 12-year NBA career, nine with the Cavs. His career average, 15.2 per game, four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA. Mark, it is really great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. Well, what sort of memories do those uh, Joe Tate calls bring back to you? Oh, man, it brings back, brings back lots of memories. Uh, playing with my guys, Brad, Larry, Hot Rod. Craig, uh, you know, Ron Harper in the early, early days, uh, just, you know, so much fun listening to Joe Tate, uh, the legend call the games. And, uh, although we didn't get to hear it while we were playing, uh, you know, you always heard it on the uh, replays. Hey, Mark, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, was, uh, you were a new type of guard, uh, talking about being a combo guard. Of course they had tiny Archibald in the years before that, but he, it was based on more from necessity for him. When you and this young group of you and Doherty and then they brought in Nance and the Hot Rod, uh, you were a very talented team, but you were the leader of that team. And it was very obvious that every big shot, every big free throw was made by Mark Price. I still say to this day, you were the most loved Cavalier of all time. Well, those are uh, those are big and kind words, Jim. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was blessed and fortunate to play with a bunch of really, really great players, and and not only great players, but but good people. And uh, you know, we uh, you know we had a great run uh, coming in all together. Uh, I, I really think, Jim, you know it, that that 1986 recruiting class is is yes. you just don't hear <laughs> enough about it. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. know that that anybody's had a recruiting class, uh, you know, overall that matches that with, with Brad, Ron, me, uh, Johnny Newman was late in the second round. And then you had Hot Rod who was drafted the year before, but couldn't play. So he, yes. by all intents and purposes, was a rookie as well. I mean, that's five guys that played a long time and, and, <laughs> and were great players in the NBA, all drafted by the Cavaliers. Mark, looking at that group, those five young guys, uh, a few weeks ago, Jim and I had Lenny Wilkins in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ. Just talk about how Lenny worked with such a young basketball team. Well, I think Lenny was great, and he was perfect for, for our group uh, because, one, we, we, we were a, a lot of smart basketball players. You know, Lenny didn't have to, you know, overcoach us. Uh, he just had to give us direction, and at the same time, he was very uh, patient, you know, laid back. He, you know, he, every, you know, when you're playing a bunch of young guys, you know, especially the first year or so, you know, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. There's a growing process, but, you know, if Lenny got upset with us, he would always maybe pull us to the side and talk to us man-to-man. He was never, like, yelling and screaming at us or trying to embarrass us. And I think that uh, – it just allowed us to grow. He, he allowed us and gave us our space to grow as players and in the meantime coaching us all the, all the way through it. And, Mark, not that he favored you. It was a team. But because he had played the guard position and 
he played it in a similar way that you did, a, a point guard that could score. Uh, did you sense that he took maybe a, a special interest in your play? Well, I, I think anytime you know, as a point guard, you know, the point guard is, is a reflection of, of his coach probably more than any other player on the team. And, uh, you know, obviously Lenny was a great player. And, and so I, I felt very fortunate to come into a situation to learn you know, from a Hall of Famer, and I think, you know, when I came in the league, Jim, Jim mentioned it earlier, I was a different kind of player because I, I just remember when I got in the league, the point guard position really wasn't a scoring position. I mean, you had a couple guys, Magic and Isaiah, that scored a little bit from the point, but everybody else was kind of a pass-first, kind of, uh, you know, run the team, you know, kind of a mo-cheek uh, kind, of, kind of point guard, and yet, you know, my biggest asset was my ability to shoot, my ability to score. And, and uh, a lot of teams didn't, you know, with my size being being small, didn't know what to do with that. But, you know, Lenny, Lenny, I think, loved that, that, that I did could do that. And he felt like, you know what, he could teach me a lot of the other things about running the point guard position. But, you know, you can't find, you can't teach a kid how to shoot like that <laughs> and, and, and score. And, uh, and so he, uh, you know, he really, you know, allowed me to thrive and be in who I was as a player and then adding the other pieces to my game. Mark, we have uh, uh, the thing that uh, I'd have to disagree with you a little bit. You were a great shooter, but I think the intangible about you is your toughness. And, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had a chance to spend time with your dad and, and your, your brothers. We'll talk about that in the second half. But... Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, those those great games you guys played against the Chicago Bulls? Of anybody during that era, no one played them tougher and harder and had the matchups to deal with them like the Cleveland Cavaliers. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Chicago was a great team, you know, with Michael, uh, being the, the main guy, but obviously when they kept adding pieces like Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and all those guys, um, you know they they won a lot of championships. And uh, but I agree with you, Jim, in the fact that I felt like we we posed the biggest threat to them of anybody um, coming up. I mean, I tell people all the time they want to talk about the shot. You know that was that was back when there was only a five game first round series. Right. And uh, that particular season, we had beaten Chicago six out of six times. We were 6-0 and against the Bulls going into that series. And unfortunately, I, I was hurt. I didn't even play the first game of that first-round series. Uh, we had other guys banged up. And, you know, just some unfortunate timing, uh, you know, and people kind of laughing. But I was like, we were we were a better team at that point in time than, than the Bulls. We we showed it during the regular season and, you know, even as banged up as we were, you know, it took a miracle shot by Michael to beat us, you know, uh, in that first round. And so, um, you know, those are some great, great battles. And I don't, you know, once again, I, I think we get slided our team a little bit because we never got could get past the Bulls, but no one challenged, you know, we took them to the wire. I don't know how many times and uh, that guy Jordan just, just seemed to be able to raise it to another level, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk more with one of the all-time Cavalier legends. He has settled into the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Mark Price. So stay with us. 
Welcome back to Cavs HQ. It's presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Chone, settling into that legend's chair very comfortably. Cavalier legend, Mark Price, other side of the window, doing a great job as always, Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen. Mark, I want to do one more follow-up on the Chicago Bulls question and that great run by the Cavaliers, and the only thing in their way was Chicago. The Cavs team that Michael beat with the shot. Do you think that was the best Cavs team that had a chance to win a championship? I really do. I I feel like, uh, you know, we had all the pieces. You know, we were just extremely young at that point. That was one of the first, you know, kind of playoff, couple years of playoffs experience for us. But, you know, with me and Ron Harper, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, guys like Craig Elo, Hot Rod Williams coming off the bench, I mean, we were just, you know, one through eight, you know, we were we were as good as anybody in the league. And uh, I definitely feel like, you know, with having you know, that flasher player like Ron was and his ability to to be able to handle the ball, run the point, allow me to come off screens. And we, we had a way of changing things up, and we had a lot of size across the board. Um, you know, besides me, I mean, uh, everybody else was about six seven or, or, or taller you know, in our lineup. So, you know, um, we posed a lot of problems for people. And I definitely think that that we were a talented enough team to win it all, for sure. Wow, good point. You know, one of the things, Mark, uh, and you're exactly right, uh, you you never got enough credit, you know, but such is the way of pro sports, especially in the NBA. You know, if you don't win it all, they think that there's nothing comparable. Anyway, I want to talk about one summer, I called. I called you. I think I called you probably before the season ended to come to my camp and speak to my kids at my camp at Tri C, and uh, you graciously agreed. And when you got there, you brought your father and your brother, and your dad. We brought them in, and people were going crazy over you, and and uh, so we so we put you guys in the office. And your dad didn't stay in the office. As soon as I shut the door, he came back out and was watching the camp. And he walked up to me and he said, I want to run your camp today. I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you know him better than all of us do. And he ran my camp to the point that at lunchtime, after you guys left, you know what I did? I went and took notes. And from the next 15 to 18 years after that, we ran our camps based upon the, the, the style, the fundamentals that your dad was talking about. And uh, I will never forget that. In fact, some people will come to me and say, you know, I remember that camp because I was a young kid and I went to that camp and we were in awe of Mark Price's father. They didn't mention you any more than that <laughs> about how great he was. Your great, talk a little bit about your dad and what he instilled in you and your brother. Yeah, my dad was, uh, he was an amazing guy. I don't think I ever knew anybody that, that just loved, loved the game of basketball more than, more than he did. And he loved helping people. It didn't, it didn't matter, like, if you were a pro, like Bobby Phils one summer flew out to Enid, Oklahoma to spend a week with my dad. Yeah. And my dad helped his shot. Or if you were, you know, a 10-year-old kid, it, you know, it, in the neighborhood, it's like if you wanted some help or you want, you know, my dad just, he loved teaching. He loved, he loved the game. And, 
you know, so, uh, and he loved, he loved camps. That's why, you know, he, he just loved that, that time of just that group time, that individual time of teaching the game to kids. And, uh, and so he was, uh, you know, I, I, I was blessed because I was kind of a guinea pig with my dad all those years because he, uh, he, his pet peeve was shooting and free throws. And mm-hmm. I remember in high school, I'd come home and I probably had a game where I had about 30 points and about 12 assists. And the only thing he wanted to talk about was the free throw that I missed. In the game. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, Hey, that was a pretty good game, but what happened on that free throw? <laughs> so, you know, I was like, that's one of the reasons I wanted to be a good free throw shooter. Cause I didn't want to have to listen to my dad. <laughs> well, Mark, you, you must be able to see the notes I have written here in front of me because in my notes, I have three time free throw shooting champion. As far as percentage, a career, 90% free throw shooter. I've always said coaches' kids are great free throw shooters because <laughs> their dad is the coach and he wants them to hit free throws. So perhaps my theory is right. <laughs> uh, no doubt. No doubt about it. You know, His big thing was, he goes, they call him free for a reason, man. Those are free points. Don't give them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, you were also known for your long-range shooting. We talked about that during the first segment. And in Atlanta, where you are now located, uh, you know the Georgia area pretty well. All-Star Day, not necessarily a weekend this year, but uh, I want you to look back on the three-point shot contest and just your thoughts as you were going into it and taking part in it. Uh, That was pretty special for us Cavs fans to watch you knock down threes. That was a lot of fun, especially in uh, 93 and 94 when I won, you know, the shootout back-to-back. I think somebody one year, I think it was the, the first one in 93 in Utah, uh, when I won that, and then I played in the all-star game and hit six threes uh, <laughs> in, in the game. And I think somebody had, had uh, done the statistics and said, you know, for that weekend, I shot about 80% from the three-point line <laughs> oh, wow. for that weekend. Wow. So uh, it was uh, – that was a special weekend and, and, and a lot of fun and, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, had a lot of support from the Cavs fans, and it was, it was just uh, – it was just an exciting time for for our team and, and for me individually as well. Well, Mark, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate our friendship, and I know that you were involved in the Cavs uh, on uh, draft day. Talk, talk, talk a few minutes about that. You know, how did that come about? Well, I uh, I got a call this uh, this summer and uh, from Cody Altman and. And uh, just mentioned, hey, I, we're we're looking at a few guys. You know, this is once they found out they had the fifth pick, and they had they had two or three guys they were interested in, and uh, they just kind of wanted my opinion, at, uh, give my thoughts on, take a look at them, watch some film, and so I spent some time with that and and, and gave them my input, uh, and so it was a lot of fun. You know, I appreciated that that Kobe reached out like that. It, it meant a lot, and. Uh, because I'm always wanting to help the Cavs any way I can. You know, I, I love the organization. Um, you know, obviously my my jersey's hanging in the rafters there. And so there's that special special relationship that even though I played, bounced around a little bit toward the end of my career, nobody that I ever run into, they, everybody associates me with the Cavaliers and my time there playing. And, and, uh, and I just felt like I had such a special relationship with the fans 
while I played and, and still even do whenever I come back up to watch a game or come up in the Cleveland area. I feel it's, it's kind of like I never left, you know, the, the fan, the Cavs fans have always been great and gracious uh, to me and my family. And, and so that's a, that's a relationship that will always be there. So I was more than happy to try to help them in any way I could. And uh, that's kind of how that, that happened. Well, Mark, as someone who was a Cavs fan long before I became the NBA uh, play-by-play announcer for the Cavs, I want to tell you uh, we had a special relationship with you as well. You were a joy to watch on the hardwood. Well, I appreciate that, and, uh, you know, enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure, man, and uh, wish you guys the best, and we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Mark Price sitting in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, and we'll take a quick time out. So stay with us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. The Drew Joyce Classic, in partnership with the Cavs, will be held June 25th through the 27th in downtown Cleveland. This premier U.S. travel basketball tournament features boys and girls in 2nd to 11th grades. Teams will compete for a championship in their age group and showcase their ability to compete at a higher level. Learn more about the tournament at DrewJoyceClassic.com. Cavs in the community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll have more Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Stockton holds it up, takes it in low to Bailey, turns it to the right hand, hook shot and scores over Kareem, right in his face. Two-point shot by Hanson, no good, the rebound is off to Bailey, throws it up and throws it in. Bailey, what a mighty player he is. Hanson, 18-footer, no, throws the ball to the baseline, and Bailey hits it with 12 seconds. Timeout, the Lakers. Oh, some classic calls as Thurl Bailey now joins us here on Caps HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have Thurl with us in the Legends Chair. We need multiple Legends Chairs today. We've got all sorts of guests lined up, but Thurl, that's a pretty special spot on Cavs HQ. When you settle into the Legends Chair, number one, we hope you're good and comfortable, but number two, we've had some big-name guests in there, so we appreciate you joining us for this edition. Well, I'm honored to be a part of that, man. I, I, I certainly know I'm a legend in my own mind, but it's good to have you guys <laughs> put me in that seat. <laughs> well, what sort of memories come back when you hear those highlights of your playing days? Oh, some great ones. I mean, as Jim can tell you, you know, you never, even when the cheering stops, you know, it's, you're always connected to the game and, 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 you know, the fact that you were fortunate enough to be able to make it at the highest level and play with some greats and, and, and even have that trail blazed by the guys before you like the one you're sitting next to oh thank you well jim that's the perfect lead in for you take it buddy well you know thorough when we talked yesterday and i asked you what was different about this team and you said everybody had bought in but you and i both know that it takes more than that you got to have talent and uh it looks like every night you you're winning three positions on the floor and you've got a bench player who would be a starter on most teams and that seems to be your formula for success. Can you talk about that? That's a great question, Jim. And, and you're right. It does take talent. But even with talent, I mean, we know there's all kinds of talent in the NBA at different, different levels and, and different roles that they play. But in this league, you know, you've got to have guys buy into a system that, 
that the coach believes in and that the players believe in. And where the Jazz are right now just didn't happen this year. I mean, this has been – Quinn Snyder's been building this you know, over the past several years to try to get what he pictures in his mind that would work with this team, right? You have Donovan Mitchell, who really is the clutch guy, the go-to guy, the, the star player, if you will, especially on the offensive end. But then you have an anchor guy who I believe is maybe one of the biggest keys in where they are is Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know, in, in a in a day and age when the big is turning into a dinosaur, you've got a guy who's learned to be effective on both ends of the court in the system. So, yeah, you have to have stars that perform every single night, uh, but you have to have a bunch of guys who believe in the system. And, and maybe a system that, you know, is kind of unorthodox in this league when you have three, two or three really big names on the team that, you know, are ball dominant most of the game. Again, we're talking with Thurl Bailey as he settles into the Legends chair here on Cavs HQ. And Thurl, Jim and I were chatting before you joined us here, and for some reason Utah really flies under the radar when you hear about the elite teams out west, and yet here they are with the best record in the NBA. But why don't they get all the attention that they obviously deserve? Well, I don't think they really want to fly on the radar. They probably like it, um, but... You know, historically, it's been that way with what people call a small market team. Um, they haven't had necessarily the, uh, you know, the sexy style of play like a lot of teams have today. Uh, like I mentioned before, with a couple of stars. I mean, Carl and John, Carl Malone, John Stockton were probably the closest to that uh, during that era. But um, you know, I, I think it probably is in the fact that. You know, these guys are going to have to really prove that they're for real, you know, to outside of Jazz Nation, meaning, you know, you got to get in that finals and, and have a chance to win a championship. And some of it is probably historically the Jazz have always, since the Malone-Stockton era, fallen short in the playoffs after one or two rounds. So, you know, they're making believers out of people, but I think in order for them to really get that respect that they really want, uh, they really have to show that they're deserving, deserving to to uh, be one of the best teams in in the league, not just now, but at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the playoffs. You know, I was looking at uh, Quinn Snyder's record. What an amazing record for such a young coach. Uh, could you give me three points that really stand out about what kind of coach Quinn is? Well, I think Quinn has a really interesting mind as far as his game plan uh, he uses analytics uh, he doesn't overuse them but he understands what's important in, in the game today the three-point shot is is a must mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. is in, t- in today's game if you've got multiple guys who can not just get those shots but knock them down on a regular basis uh, that, that's that's a huge advantage that you have um, you know especially when the other team is not scoring as many threes and it might be scoring twos, but the, the math works, right? Threes more than two. So I yep. think Quinn really focuses on, on that philosophy, but he also, if you asked him uh, what the personality of his team, what's their identity, he would tell you that it's on the defensive end because you can't create a lot of what they get on the offensive end if you don't play really good defense. And on those nights when the ball is not dropping, then your defense is the great equalizer, right? I mean, other teams not really scoring either, so you still got a shot. Um, the other part about Quinn is his the communication factor he has. He has the trust of those these guys on the team. 
They love him. They love to play for him. And he has the ability to let those players be themselves. You, know, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson a little while ago. You know, Jordan is a scorer, right? He, he can score in different ways. So, you know, coach gives him enough of that green light to say, you got to play D, but you, gotta, you, can, you can be yourself in the context of what we do, and we're going to give you space to do that, and your teammates are going to support it. So, you know, it's, it's really fun to watch these guys play for him and play for each other, and guys like Joe Ingles, who's been around um, this team a while, is, is one of those guys who's effective within that system as well. Thurl, before we take the break, I want to get one more in here. We talked about Utah flying under the radar, not really getting the recognition they deserve as a team. Is there a player that really represents that on the Jazz? When you look at the roster, you go, man, more people should be talking about this guy. Who would that guy be? I'd have to say Rudy Gobert. You know, and it's no secret that, you know, some of the the pundits, some of the national broadcasters, Shaq in particular, kind of see themselves as they played and try to kind of reflect that onto today's big. Rudy doesn't have any post-up calls called for him like Shaq did. Rudy doesn't have the power in the paint to do a lot of what Shaq does, but Rudy has some other things, and I think a lot of things that Rudy does, that they don't show up on the stat sheet. You know, talk about screen assists. He's one of the best in the league. Um, you talk about an, uh, an offense that's really built around – a lot of really good shooters, but Rudy finds his way within that to be effective, whether it's a lob play or driving to the basket or getting it around the post. So I, I think what he really gives in this day and age in basketball is so underrated that, and it's not as sexy maybe as, you know, back in the day when, when bigs were dominating and, and scoring and scoring in, in similar ways. So uh, he's earning it though. I mean, I think he's truly becoming that guy who all he needs is that little edge to prove that, you know, he's not going anywhere and he's going to be effective in this game. And and I still think defense in a long series is going to win championships and he's going to be he's going to be highlighted in that type of play. Great answer. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. Boy, this is fascinating as Thurl Bailey joins us in the Legends Chair. We'll hear more from Thurl after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. The guys on the other side of the window, we've got to give them credit. Marty Allen, along with Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone, and our guest in the Legends chair, is Thurl Bailey, of course, Thurl with the Utah Jazz, now on the broadcasting side, but certainly had a terrific NBA career and uh, knows Jim Jones very well. Now, uh, Jim, you take it from here. How did this relationship between you and Thurl Bailey evolve? Thurl, I remember in my waning years, I think I tried to block your little patented baseline jump shot. And when you finally unwound... It was like Will Chamberlain shooting on Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> because people don't realize, and this is something, you know, you know, Thurl is a very humble person, and uh, he won't say it, but if you really think about how the game has changed, uh, 
Thurl was one of the first big guys. He and Bob Lanier and Bob is older than both of us, but they were the first bigs uh, that could step outside and shoot a jump shot like a layup. Thurl was, was very good at end up, but Thurl was better than me because he could make them under pressure. But Thurl, I want to go back to growing up in D.C. to give our, give our fans an idea of what kind of man you are. Uh, give us a little talk about growing up just outside D.C. in some very, very rough conditions and to where you are now where you were the recipient of the NBA Walter Kennedy Community Award. It just shows your growth as a person. Could you talk about that a little bit? Oh, well, thanks, Jim. First of all, you're, you're too kind. I followed you because I was really into, you know, guys who, who played before me, who they were and, and where they came from as far as their lives and, and where they went to school. And you should know that my yeah, son, son is playing <laughs> professional overseas right now, played at Marquette yeah, yes, for a couple of years. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But, you know, growing up, I, my story isn't unlike a lot of, stories uh, over the years where you know you grow up in a difficult area i grew up in prince george's county maryland and you know people look that up there are a lot of nba players that were produced out of that county and so i didn't really start playing until late high school i got cut in junior high twice at six five and six seven uh, mainly because i couldn't play i was just starting in the game and but i i saw dr j play and it kind of gave me the gave me the passion for wanting to be like him and, and, and play the game as well. So that's what kind of got me started. My parents, I was fortunate enough to have both parents at home where a lot of kids did, didn't. And we were, you know, we were shielded and educated from a lot of the stuff that was going on. Uh, you know, it was, it was, I was born in the sixties and Jim, you know, the civil rights movement yeah. was alive and well then. And that's so right. we were educated by our parents as to what was going on and how we were supposed to, act and react to everything. So I grew up uh, with those lessons and, and, you know, and used them in, in, in different situations that could have gone terribly wrong the other way. And my, my path could have been a lot different, but the bottom line is after I got cut, um, a new coach came in and I made the team that my last year of junior high, he kept me. I still wasn't a good player, but he looked at me and he changed my life when he told me that he saw potential in me. I see potential in you of what you can be and if you're willing to commit. So I committed, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. I got a scholarship to NC State uh, from Norm Sloan was the head coach. He left after my freshman year, and then they recruited some Italian guy to come in. We didn't know him. <laughs> you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't know him. We didn't trust him. And so he had to sell us on a dream yeah. of his to win a national championship. Yeah. And he sold us all on it. It took a couple of years, but. Uh, Jim Balvano and yep. and that '83 team at NC State I was on ended up winning the national championship in a most uh, miraculous way uh, in 1983. And yeah, I mean, I, my I, I've been blessed, been blessed to be able to, to have that journey and and be able to raise my kids and hopefully uh, get them to understand how important it is, how important your past is as well. Boy, Thurl, you must have been looking over my shoulder at my notes. NC State, the unbelievable championship year under Jim Valvano. Does that always tend for you to root for that Cinderella team, the underdog team, knowing how you were such a remarkable part of history with that NC State Wolfpack team? Oh, no question. No question. It, it's and, and sorry for the, the selfish um, 
add here, but I just wrote, I just finished a book called Team of Destiny, oh, and it's about that '83 championship team and 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 how people what people can draw from that. Basically, saying, you know what, anybody if you really believe, I mean, of course, like Jim says, you you have to have talent, but it's not always the best talent across the board that wins, right? It's the guys who are dedicated to each other that understand what it takes to win. Um, you know, how to be there for each other and a coach with a vision. Uh, so I do, I root for those guys. I root for the teams that, the, you know, the, the 12 seeds that knock off the one and two seeds because I've been there. And um, awesome. it's, anybody can win this thing. And it's, it's, it's a matter of really believing in yourself. you got to go out and play the game. But there's so many other things around that that makes, makes, makes a champion. And uh, I have a collection of stories in my in my book from the team firsthand on how we we were able to kind of come together and and really shock the world. But that's that's what that one shining moment is all about, right? It's it's sometimes it's the the team that no one really expects to do anything, and uh, and they just play like there's nothing to lose and end up in the in the finals. Well, put me on the list of somebody who would love a copy of that book. And I've got one quick got question. It. We've all seen Jimmy V running around, running around. Who was he looking for to hug? He just kept running around the floor. <laughs> well, the, the, the story is after every win during that, that run, he would meet Derek Wittenberg in a certain spot. You know, he was, Derek was the two guard on, on our team, the shooting guard. And Derek would always be there if we won the game and coach would run out and Derek would grab him and pick him up on that championship game after that basket went in by Lorenzo Charles. Um, coach ran out there, and Derek wasn't there. So he just kept running around, and everybody was hugging somebody. So he just kind of threw himself on a pile of people cheering. And uh, that, that scene is, is obviously etched in the minds, along with Lorenzo Charles' dunk at the end of the game with Jimmy V running around looking for somebody to hug. <laughs> and it'll always be a great memory. Oh, you're right. It's a visual that's just seared in any basketball fan's mind. Jimmy just running and running, going, I got to hug somebody here. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, that run by NC State, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college basketball story. It's just awesome. I want to say one thing about Thurl Bailey. Uh, and, and Thurl, I know you won't because you're such a humble and a religious person. But, Thurl, you are the best uh, Legends Chair guest we've ever had. The insight. Oh, thank you, man. The insight, your ability to communicate, your dialogue, your whole narrative voice is so comforting, and it is so real that you've really taken our show to a next level. But I just want to end on this, and I'll let Tim uh, finish his business, is that you are one of the well, most well-kept secrets in our league, and we appreciate you. I am so proud of you than just by the way you carry yourself. I know you've got your own manufacturing company. You've got a film company. You do public speaking. Uh, you do acting. You're a singer. You're a songwriter. You know, you do all of those things. You're just a renaissance man, and more of our young people need to hear your voice. Hopefully, next season, when we have our all-star game, you have an invitation to come, and you and I will definitely stay in touch. I would love for you to talk to our young women and our young men on the same level that you're talking today. You are a true inspiration to our league, and thank you very much. Well, I'd be honored to do that, and I thank you guys for 
for thinking of me when you talk about that legend seat. I, I know you don't take that lightly. So I appreciate it, and, and I'm, I'm blessed to to have this 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 mantle, this platform, like we all do, to use in, in good ways. We, Lord knows we need it today. So uh, I'm at your service. Thank you guys for what you do. Uh, that was great. And, again, Thurl, we appreciate you being on. And, uh, Jim, I'm thrilled that you were able to get those words in at the end, and I echo that as well. What I a great guest. Yep. What a great guest. Thurl, we appreciate it. We're going to take a quick time out. There's more to come on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. So stay with us. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Boy, Jim Jones, as we said at the outset, those were two fun conversations to go back and listen to. Mark Price and Thurl Bailey. Boy, they really had a lot of insights. Yes, they did, Tim. And uh, for those of you who had the privilege, I think it's a privilege because you're talking about two class acts who have done a lot after basketball. And even during basketball, they showed the character that is uh, that has made them both famous. Thurl Bailey, of course, that baseline jump shot in uh, Utah all these years, and the great Mark Price, who is still a legend in Cleveland. No doubt about it. So, again, Jim, thanks to you for aligning those guys up earlier this year, and uh, hope everybody enjoyed listening back to those conversations. They were fun. So that's going to do it. For this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, we'll talk to you again next week on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.